Man, it is so encouraging um, just to worship with all of you guys and hear you sing those words out as we declare uh, the power and the truth behind those songs. I think that's why, why worship, that's why praise, that's why music is such a powerful gift that he gave us because it allows us in unity to declare the truth of who God is, what's ahead of us, what he has for us right here and now. It's just a, such a gift that he's given to the body. Um, for those of you that I haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Sarah and I get to serve as one of the uh, pastors here at Impact and just genuinely with all my heart love this house. I love this place. Um, I love uh, each of you that I've had the opportunity to know and those that I haven't. I just am so thankful to be here um, and to be able to serve in this place. I want to kind of set the tone a little bit of where we are just in a series. You'll notice um, some, some stage design elements that speak to the idea of adventure is out there. And that is the series that we're currently in. So typically in a series, we approach maybe a book of um, scripture, a book of the Bible. We might approach a theme that we see throughout scripture. But this summer in particular, we wanted to really just allow the Holy Spirit to lead each week. Um, we wanted to just make space for him to say what he wanted to say, even if the weeks don't necessarily build on each other. And it's been, it's been powerful to see um, the ways in which he's led each weekend. And, and this weekend is another one of those where he's kind of taking us into a place um, that I'm excited to go to. And really for me, as I came into to this weekend and just asked the Lord to um, sort of stir in my heart what he wanted me to share. What I'm gonna to share today really comes out of a pretty beautiful season uh, that I've been in for the last handful of years and what I've learned as I've sat in that season and in that space. Um, in order to kind of tell you about that season, I feel like I need to tell you where I was and even now kind of what God is doing. And so um, for a lot of you, you know that I've served here for the last couple of years on staff uh, part-time uh, mostly in the world of worship and then teaching occasionally. Um, and that's really all uh, I had the ability to do because in addition to that, I was working full-time as a hospice chaplain right here in Lowell with a group called West Michigan Hospice, uh, which is just an incredible team of people who, who love well, who, who serve well. They're people who I entrusted my own family members to uh, into their hands to care for them in their time of need. I will say this, coming into hospice was not something I anticipated. It's not something that I set out to do or something that I thought I would do even in the, the years of you know, going to Bible school and things that wasn't necessarily where I ever envisioned um, the Lord taking me. And yet he he orchestrated things in such a way where he opened a door um, in that world, and I'm so thankful that he did. When I stepped into hospice, I was coming out of um, a challenging season, for sure, of ministry, and just didn't know, I didn't know what, what God wanted to do. I didn't know what he, um, what he saw fit for my future. I didn't know if I would ever get to serve in local church ministry, if that was in the books at this point. And um, so what I did was I just Google searched ministry jobs near me. That's what I did. And, and this uh, hospice chaplain job showed up and I was like, that's 
interesting. I mean, I'll at least, I'll at least see where this goes. So I sat down. I remember going into our office, our, our hospice office right here in Lowell and met with a guy named Aaron who owns uh, West Michigan Hospice. And I just remember sitting there with him and, and talking to him about the job. And um, I think for both of us, we just, we felt this like peace almost just like settle in the room. Like something about this seems like it could work, even though on paper, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I remember him telling me about just different people that were also going for the position and they had um, like my lifetime worth of experience in the world of being a hospice chaplain or working with chaplains. So I was really underqualified in comparison um, to those around me. Yet God opened that door and uh, allowed me to step into that space. And it, it changed me. I had the privilege of sitting with um, hundreds of people as they passed from, from their time here on earth into eternity. I sat with their family members um, and, and just sat in a space that what I learned to be is one of the most holy and sacred spaces uh, that is here on earth. It has this um, sense of heaven that invades the room in a way that I've never experienced uh, outside of that. I just learned that those two things that we just sang about where heaven and earth collide, that's a reality. It's not just something we think about or sing about. Uh, that truly is possible. Uh, and I'm obviously referencing my time in hospice somewhat uh, in the past, and so I want to give just a little bit of context uh, about what God's doing now so that you can understand why it's something I'm looking back on and learning from. Uh, and that's because God continues to do things in my life and open up doors that I am so thankful for, I'm so grateful for, the way that he moves, the way that he opens up doors. And so actually just last month, I stepped into a full-time role right here at Impact, which is so exciting for me uh, to step into. And it combines the passions of my heart in a pretty incredible way. And I'm gonna tell you a lot more about that next month, but just brief summary. I'll still get to do the worship and that teaching occasionally, but I get to bring something into our church um, that we haven't really necessarily had before in the ministry of outreach. Um, getting to take church into places where they don't have the ability to go, building teams to do that. One of, one of those populations uh, is within prisons and prison ministry and um, just pouring God's love into those places, not just for inmates, but my heart is also for those uh, who work in the prisons. I know that you, uh, some of you here do that, or you have family that do that, and they uh, go up against a darkness that a lot of us don't touch on the day to day, and I want to care for them and be aware of them as we're in those places. And the other group that uh, we get to minister to and build teams for, really, I was introduced to in my time in hospice in a way where my heart uh, just grew a love that I'll never be able to shake and never would want to. And that is a ministry um, specifically with the elderly in mind, going into assisted living facilities here in Lowell, a nursing home here in Lowell, um, just bringing the church into places where they aren't able to go. But today what I want to share are some, what I'm just referring to uh, for today as eternal treasures that I picked up as I look back in that season of hospice, a unique time where I know that I was able to be in spaces consistently that I'll probably never get to be in quite like that moving forward. 
Um, every week I would, I would be in spaces where I would send people uh, from this earth into eternity. Every week I would be praying with families as they release their loved ones into the hands of God. I know that that was a unique time. I know that that was a privilege for me to enter into those spaces. And so I don't wanna move on from it lightly. I want to really take in all that God showed me. And I know that it will affect you too. I'm aware that, that for some of you here today, you have experienced loss. You know what that's like to, um, to lose a loved one. And I know the unique pain that that brings. I know the gap that that creates in your heart. For some of you here today, you may actually be in that season where you're preparing your own heart for eternity. You may be in that final chapter. I'm not saying you're on the final page of the chapter, but you may be in the chapter where you just want to finish the race well. You want to prepare your heart for eternity. It causes you to think about the things of eternity a little bit more so than maybe you did earlier in life. And I also know that there are some people here today and you're, you're in a place where you haven't necessarily experienced a whole lot of loss that's hit all that close to home. And you may look at your own life and, and see a whole lot of years ahead of you. And so this subject of eternity and thinking about the things unseen is just not something that you give a whole lot of thought to. But what I learned in the last um, couple years here is that it really doesn't matter where we find ourselves today. God's word is pretty clear on how he wants us to think as we live here on earth. And so that's what I wanna unpack today. There's a passage of scripture that really speaks to what I want to, to look at. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter four. So go ahead and open your Bibles if you have them. And if not, you'll see the verses on the screens. <clears throat> Uh, I want to give just a little context going into the passage. So I'm going to start in verse 13. So verse 13, it says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. And this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. That is the reason he says the following. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm gonna read it to you in the New Living Translation, which will just give you a different lens and maybe let it land in your heart in a fresh way. It says, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. 
Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What I want to unpack today is how do we live here on earth with our eyes fixed on the things unseen? Scripture very clearly tells us that that's how we should live. But what does that mean? How do we do that well? What I want to do is pass along some eternal treasures that I picked up as I began to study scripture in a new way and with a new focus and understanding. And what I also want to do is share some of the stories of my patients with you. Their families graciously gave me permission. In fact, um, those families were actually here last night and it was so beautiful just to, to be able to share their stories with them right here in the room. I learned some things as I just sat with people in a space that was unique, a space where they knew that their time on earth was short. And just to watch, watch, watching their actions, listening to their words. But I think I learned more than anything as I just sat and I watched God prepare their hearts. He knew that their time was short and he has this ability to soften a person's heart and to pull them in to himself. So I wanna take those things and I wanna try and pass them on to you. Sitting with people as they near the end of their lives has a unique ability to point out what is unseen and what is temporary. What are the things that you can take with you and what are the things that stay here on earth? I learned the words that Jesus taught us to pray that so many of us know, but I learned them with an entirely new depth. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. I think for so many of us, we think of the things of heaven as something that we have to wait to experience. It's something that is very separate from the things of earth. And yet Jesus very clearly tells us, this is how you should pray. Asking God for his will to be done and for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want us to develop. I want us to develop an understanding that it's not only possible to bring the things of heaven down to earth, but it is the very will of God that we would begin to do that. That people would experience the things of heaven and the kingdom of God in our lives as it is in heaven here on earth. But once again, what does that mean? How, how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we bring the kingdom down to earth as it is in heaven? How do we fix our eyes on the things that are unseen? I'm just gonna give us a handful of ways to do that today. Yet there are so many, but really it all comes from a perspective where we begin to turn our focus away from things that are temporary, away from the things that are fading. And we start to pursue the things that have value now here on earth, but have value for all of eternity. <clears throat> when I think about this whole idea, there's a visual that kind of comes to my mind. And the first part of the visual is just this line. It's just a never ending line. And I want you to imagine that the line you see on the screen, I want you to, to imagine that it extends forever, that there's no end point to it. And as you zoom 
in on the line, you can see that there is just this small dot that's on the line. And again, if you're imagining that it extends forever, you can, you can imagine that that dot is actually quite small. But this dot, I want us to, to imagine for this morning, represents our time here on earth. What most people do is they focus entirely on the dot. Yeah, you can see the line a little bit on either side of it, but for the most part, all you can see is the dot. That becomes your entire focus. You try to get the most that you possibly can out of the dot without thinking about what comes on the other side of it. And James really clearly speaks to this dot. He says in chapter four, verse 14, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. You might have moments where you think about what happens outside the dot in uh, maybe funeral settings or when you lose someone you love or when somebody maybe directly brings up the subject. But for the most part, your entire focus is wrapped up in the dot, trying to get the most that you can out of it. The real reality that we should focus on happens outside the dot. Again, as you imagine that this line extends forever, you can see that in comparison to the line, the dot is actually quite small. And yet for many of us, that's our entire focus. What I recognize this morning is that for everyone here, we do exist within the dot. So, so my desire is not that we dismiss it altogether. The thing with eternal thinking is that there are ditches that you can fall on one side or the other, you can get to the point where you're so focused on the never-ending line, on the things of eternity, on the things unseen, that you live with your head somewhat in the clouds. And what happens there is that you lose your effectiveness here on earth because you're so distracted and so removed from it that you actually start to forget that you're still here, that God still has purpose for you being here. But the other ditch is the one that we just talked about where you're so consumed with the things of the earth that there's no sense of urgency to prepare your heart or the hearts of others for eternity. So my desire is that we begin to make the most of that small window that we have here on earth, recognizing that in comparison to the rest, it is really quite small. So how do we prepare ourselves how do we prepare those around us, not just as you approach the end of the dot, but how do you spend your entire lives investing in the things of eternity for your own heart and for the hearts of those around you? That is what I want us to learn today. Paul said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I get that troubles don't feel momentary and they don't feel light while you're in them. Paul said that because he had an understanding of what our life is now in comparison to eternity. This whole life in comparison to eternity is momentary. And, and if you catch the second part of what he said, that's the most important part, most encouraging part, that they produce something in us. The first eternal treasure that I want us to take away today is that troubles create eternal glory. Walking through suffering and difficulty on earth produces something that you will take with you for eternity. So do not think that the trouble that you're facing and have faced in the past was for nothing. 
God has purpose and intention in that, and he's using it to produce an eternal glory within you. So lean into that work that he's doing. He's a good God. He doesn't, he doesn't allow anything to go by without using it for his good, even things the enemy intends for evil. He is a God who takes them and uses them for good. He's a God of purpose. In fact, our time here on earth is unique in the sense that on the other side of this, in fact, we sang about it this morning, um, there will be a day where we don't experience things like pain and death and loss. And so our time here on earth allows us to experience those things. And there is a unique worship that you give to God in the middle of trouble and in the middle of suffering that you'll only be able to give to him this side of eternity. It's a unique offering of praise. That there will be a day when we're face to face worshiping him. But right now we have an ability to worship him in the midst of trouble, in the midst of suffering. That's a unique ability to worship him that we actually won't get on the other side. Lean into trouble, allow him to use it to produce something eternal that's within you that you'll take with you on the other side. The second eternal treasure builds somewhat on the first one, and that is that what we see outwardly is not as important as what is happening inwardly. Paul said, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I saw this over and over and over as I sat with people whose bodies were wasting away. People that were no longer able to even get out of bed, people that needed assistance to do absolutely everything outwardly, they were wasting away. Yet what I saw in them was that their spirit was being renewed, that there was a part of them that was coming alive more and more as they prepared to enter into eternity. You could see that the two just couldn't quite sync up, that their bodies wouldn't even allow them to express all that was going on in their spirit. So often we assume that these two things should align, that what we see outwardly should align with what's going on inwardly, yet so often those two things are very separate. In fact, the way that God sees things are very different than the way that we see them. In 1 Samuel 16, it says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, I wanna develop eyes the way that God sees. I want him to show me, how do you see? I don't want to see things the way that people do. I know that that's my default, but can you show me the way that you see things? He's always looking inward, always looking at what's going on inside. Paul said, outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So my encouragement is that we stop getting so focused on external factors like health and wealth as our standards for success. And instead, we start to allow God to show us what it means to see things from the inside out. God, what are you doing inward? I know that outside I see trouble, I see suffering, and it's easy for me to get fixed on that, those things that I can see, but God, can you show me what are you doing on the inside? How are you using this to shape me? It's easy to look at someone else and see external things and either be impressed by that or dismiss a person because of that. That is the way people see things. That is not the way that God sees. 
Let him give you eyes to see the way that he sees. Don't get so fixed on the external. As I move forward, uh, I want to now kind of shift gears a bit and continue to let that scripture um, be the basis for our conversation. But now I want to start to introduce you to some of my beloved patients. And it was really hard to narrow this down. Um, I had, like I said, had served hundreds of people and got to know them and learned so much from them. So to really bring it down to just a handful of people was not an easy task. And I just asked the Lord to highlight the ones he wanted me to share. Lord, show me who who you want me to share and show me what you want me to share about them because I learned so, so much from them. And so the first person I wanna introduce you to is Betty Jean. Um, Betty Jean is um, someone who still is awaiting that final day when God calls her home. She's somebody that I still um, have phone calls with and even text messages with almost every week. And she's someone who I would go and visit in her home and sit with her and her husband and her family. And she told me her story. Um, Did not have an easy life, didn't have an easy road. Yet there is a joy about this woman um, that is hard, hard to compare to. And Betty Jean had this uh, fierce power that guided her life and guided the way that she lived. And that's the power of love, which takes us to eternal treasure number three. The most important legacy that you can leave is love, by far. Love has the ability to impact a person in a way that is unlike any other any other. Um, gifting or any other passion or any other way that you can treat a person. It changes a person. And I saw this over and over in Betty Jean. Betty Jean has eyes to see the people that everyone else looks over. She takes them into her home. She takes them into her life. I, I was there um, on multiple occasions where I met I met at least two different women who came into her home and said, she's, she's my adopted mom. And she was, they called her mom, she called them her daughters, and she told them how valuable they were, how much God loved them. And really she introduced them to the love of God just in the way that she lived her life, which then brought them into a relationship with God because they experienced the love of God in a tangible way. I learned that love is this eternal currency that yes, it has value right now, but it has immense value in eternity as well. Paul spoke to this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now, we only see as a reflection in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If we listen to what Paul was saying, he's talking about good things. He's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about things like knowledge, things that are actually needed here on the earth in the church. Like we need these things. These are good things that he instructs us in earlier to to embrace these things and to learn how to do them well for the sake of the church. Yet he says, those will have no value on the other side of this. 
Those actually won't remain. They'll no longer be needed. But there are some things that will remain. Things like faith, things like hope. He said, but greater than any of those is love. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You have the ability to eternally change a person by the way that you treat them. Do you know that? Yes, it changes them in the here and now. It changes the way that they see themselves, the way that they know that they're loved by a Father in heaven. But it's not just for the here and now that you change them. You make a deposit into their life for all of eternity. Learning how to love people with the love of God has the ability to change them for eternity. The reason that Betty Jean is able to do this by far is because at the core of who she is, she knows who she belongs to. Almost every time I would talk to her, no matter what was going on in her life, she would get a huge smile on her face and she would say, Sarah, I'm a child of God. She knew who she belonged to. Eternal treasure number four, who you are does not come from what you do, but who you belong to. Who you are does not come from what you do, but who you belong to. Thinking in terms of that dot that I referenced earlier, it causes people to think that their identity and their worth is wrapped up in what they do for a living, letters behind their name, the salary that they produce, things that you can see things that they can present as a resume. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. All I'm telling you is that those things are temporary. You don't get to take any of that with you. Who you are does not come from what you do, but it comes from who you belong to. Betty Jean knew that she was a daughter of God and that drastically changed everything in her life. There's a few things that happen when you know who you are. <clears throat> One, you stop trying to control everything yourself. See, Betty Jean, she knew that there were things and are things out of her control. The cancer that's in Betty Jean's body is not something she can control. In fact, it's not something that even her doctors can control at this point. The pain that she feels in her body as a result of this cancer is not something she can control. Yet there was this steady peace and joy every time I would see her. Why? Because she knew the hands of the one who cared for her. She knew who she was, that she had a father in heaven who was looking out for her, who was caring for her. She didn't have to take control because she was able to release it into the hands of her father. The second thing that it does is it causes you to stop chasing things that make you feel like you're enough because you ultimately know the only approval that I really need to seek comes from my Father in heaven. That allows you to function out of a place of purpose and peace instead of a place of striving. Who you are is not what you do, it's who you belong to. <clears throat> the next person I wanna introduce you to is a lady named Karen. I met Karen in a uniquely challenging season of her life. Um, I remember when I first got the phone call from her family about, about caring for Karen. And um, they, they told me how just weeks beforehand, um, how they were already walking through 
immense amounts of grief. Um, just a couple weeks before I met Karen, she had lost her husband of 51 years. So this family that I'm stepping into their home is walking through grief on every side. And I remember I sat down with Karen and I, I sat across from her and she, um, I could tell, just didn't have much time. And so there was a lot of weakness. I didn't know if I would even be able to have another conversation with her, but, but I wanted to know um, how her heart was doing, you know, how her spirit was doing, how um, she could or couldn't feel the peace of God and his ministry in her heart. And so I just said to Karen, I said, what, um, what are you going through right now? How are you processing not only the, the news that you're no longer um, going to be here on earth for too long, but also, the, also just grieving the loss of your husband? You're going through a lot. Karen, how are you doing? And without hesitation, man, I'll never forget the way that she responded to me. She said, I know that this might sound strange, um, but I'm not really grieving the loss of my husband because I know that I'll see him really soon. There was this assurance that was within Karen that was just unshakable. Why? It was, it was because Karen was no longer fixed on the things that she could see. She was fixed on the things unseen. She knew what was ahead. And so that caused a deep level of assurance and peace to be what she functioned out of. It was evident. She taught me, Eternal Treasure 5, that death does not need to be feared, but instead celebrated as the beautiful entrance into something new and eternal. Karen was, was remarkable in this way, where I am. Um, I just got to be with this family um, quite a bit in that final window. And I remember um, her children, you know, and grandchildren being around her in tears, just streaming down their face as they just lost their dad. And now they're saying goodbye to their mom. And she would just look at them and she would say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she wasn't just saying empty words to make them feel better in a moment. Man, Karen knew she knew that those words were true, that they would be okay, even with her gone. But she knew that for herself. It's going to be okay. Take heart. Don't lose heart. It's going to be okay. She comforted them in the way that you see 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talk about. He says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Do you know that that is the God that we serve? He's the God of all comfort. He authors it, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Karen comforted them with the comfort she first received from God. Just a beautiful vessel that she was of his comfort fixing our eyes on the things unseen. That's what she was able to do. The last person I want to introduce you to, uh, his name is Don, and he, man, he changed, he changed my heart. He left an impression on me that, that I'll never lose sight of. Uh, I got to know him <clears throat> uniquely, and I think that's part of why I just have such a, such a closeness with him and even his family to this day. Um, I started 
I started entering into this family actually as I served Don's wife. She was one of our patients first, and she just wasn't all that able to engage in a whole lot of conversation, even in the year's time that, that I took care of her and served her. And so I really got to know um, Don really well. Like He would be the one who told me about their family and their faith and he told me um, how he met the Lord, that he was pretty wild before that. You wouldn't guess it with that smile, but he had a story to tell, and he, and he just brought me into that place. And, um, and so I got to know them uniquely. And eventually, uh, his wife passed, and one of the things that I got to see in Don uh, that was pretty incredible, and I've seen it in a few men, but he really, he showed it to me in, in a pretty beautiful way. Uh, where there's something about a husband that cares for his wife as she is um, transitioning out of this life into the next one where, where they go into the mode of protector and provider wanting to give everything that they can give to care for their wife well. And then when it comes time, what I got to see in Don was, was this surrender of his wife, almost like this, okay, I did it for as long as I could, as well as I could. And now I'm going to give her into the hands of the one who will care for her from this point forward. And I watched him do that and walked through that process with him as he surrendered his wife into the hands of God and, and just did that with so much honor and love. And then eventually um, Don got to a place where he needed, he needed that same sort of care. And so I was able to come into his life and, and even be his chaplain. But my window with him in that specific role uh, was pretty short. And so I would go in a little bit more so than I would typically, and I would go in and see him. He was right here in Lowell at one of these facilities, and I would spend time with him multiple times a week. Um, and one of the things that I saw in his life all throughout the time that I knew him was one of the most important treasures that I think we can take away today. That is, do not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Don was a man who shared the gospel with every person, I mean every person he came into contact with, staff members, other residents, friends, whoever it was. And I, I think he knew, obviously, that his window was short, so there was an urgency to him. But as I got to know him and his life and his family, this was just how he lived his life. So yeah, there was probably a sprint spiritually to the finish line of like, how many people really can I introduce the love of Jesus to? But this was just how he lived his life. And spending time with him and hearing the testimonies of like how he would, how he would evangelize and tell someone the gospel and then how he would cover them in prayer and watch God work in their life. Man, it motivated me to just ask myself that question. Like, do I have eyes for the lost? Like he does. What would my life look like? What would your lives look like if we lived with that understanding and urgency, not just in our 90s or 80s, but, but right now? Our impact for the kingdom of God would be so much greater if we lived with that understanding that our life is just not as big as we think it might be in comparison to it all. He taught me to always have an eye for the lost. If we ever get to a place in life where we would rather be always around those who think like us, those who believe like us, those who see things the way that we see, and we start to remove ourselves from being around anyone that doesn't think like us or see like us or believe like us, we begin to step out of the influence that we can have here on the earth. 
So many times we isolate ourselves because it's more comfortable. We have to have eyes to see those who need to know the love of Jesus, to experience them, just like Betty Jean did, love them. But then teach them why you can love in that way because of the love that you first experienced. Another thing that Don and I would do um, every time I was with him was we would sing hymns together. I would go into these facilities and play the piano and sing hymns and um, the residents would come and Don and his wife came as long as they were physically able to come. And then um, towards the end of his life, I would just go you know, into his room and we would sing these songs together. And um, there is something about the power of hymns, the theology that's within hymns, it talks about who God is. It talks about the scripture and what it speaks to. And that's what I would witness as I would be in these places, as I would watch these people just clinging to the words of these songs, believing them with all of their hearts. In fact, as I spent time, especially with Don, he was one of the main motivators for me to write this devotional called Hymns of Heaven, where I took these hymns and I just grabbed scriptures that these hymns talked to and then built around that and asked questions because I noticed that it's hard to have conversations with loved ones that are preparing to leave this earth. You want to have those conversations, but you're just not sure how to. And so this devotional is a resource that people can use to have conversations, but also to prepare their own hearts for eternity. And we recorded an album for it right here at Impact. And it's done in this way that's just peaceful, meant to kind of almost minister to someone at their bedside, that time span of when you're really getting close um, to leaving this earth, it seems as though the only way I can describe it is like the, the window of heaven just begins to open and the fragrance of heaven just begins to fill the room. And so I want that to be a resource for you all to use too. Um, use that with your loved ones. Use that yourself if you're walking through a season of loss or want to prepare your own heart for eternity. The very first song on the album and in the devotional is in honor of Don. It was the song that him and I sang together more than any other song and more times than I can count. And he would sing this song with so much volume that I would just let him lead. I don't need to sing it. You lead it in the room. And, and he just had so much passion and conviction as he would sing the words to the old rugged cross. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Now those words are powerful, right? At, at, at any time in our lives, those words are powerful. But as you watch someone sing those words or, or say those words as they're preparing to really to really exchange that cross. It has a different level of power, a different level of weight. Which leads us to the last eternal treasure, and that is that the cross changed everything. As I went uh, in Don's final week um, here on the earth, I, I sat with him that day, and I just remember thinking, okay, like we're getting, we're getting pretty close, and I'm not sure how many conversations that we're gonna be able to have. And um, <clears throat> he was in his bed at that point, not able to, um, to do much more. And I just said, Don, would you, um, would you be willing to sing our favorite hymn together just one more time? He wasn't 
hardly able to stay awake at this point, uh, much more speak, and yet he said, yeah, I, I would like to do that. And so um, I just want to share this moment with you. I want you to listen to his words as he knew, man, this reality that I'm singing about is about to be what I see face to face. So let's listen to this moment together. The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish and exchange it someday for a crown. The reason that we can look forward to death without fear is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We cannot earn our way into this or be good enough. I sat with so many people who just felt like they just didn't quite do enough and they approached the end with fear they didn't want the end to come because they just would say, Sarah, I don't know if I did enough good. I don't know if I was a good enough person. I sat with other people who said, I don't really know if there is a certain way into heaven, but I think I was pretty good overall. And so that really should be enough to get me in. But the truth is that salvation was something we could not afford. And so Jesus purchased it for us and now offers it freely to us. See, Don understood that. That's why he clinged to those words and he clinged to the cross knowing, I'm this close to exchanging it for a crown. He had a peace as he entered into that space. God loves us so deeply that he made a way for us to be right with him through Christ. Jesus took our penalty for sin on himself when he died on the cross and he defeated death for us when he rose from the grave. That free gift is available to each one of us today. I wanna walk through a prayer together. I want all of us to pray it together as a way that we can accept this free gift of salvation. And so just join me this morning as we say these words. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you loved me enough to come to earth and take my place on the cross. I need and want your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin and recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love, not based on anything I have done. I believe that you rose from the dead 
and now offer me eternal and everlasting life. I receive that life today in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's a free gift. All we have to do is receive it. I want to close today in somewhat of a, a unique way, but I just sense that this could be um, just a beautiful time for us together. And as a chaplain, I prayed with people in spaces, like I mentioned, pretty consistently. And I just know that there are people here um, who, who are in those spaces. And so who I would love to pray for this morning and even have you stand and, and um, have people come around you and, and pray with you. I wanna pray for, for those in this place that have experienced loss. And you might still just be working through um, that grief and I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray for those of you in this place who are preparing your own hearts for eternity. It doesn't mean that you're in that final page, but you may be in the final chapter and you want to finish the race well and you want to surrender all that you are to let God do that finishing, sanctifying work in your hearts. And then there also are people here who you have loved ones or people in mind that you are preparing to say that final goodbye to that they may still be here, but you know your window with them is short. I wanna pray for each of those situations. And so if that's you, will you just go ahead and stand right where you are in this place this morning? And as people begin to stand, will you, as the church, come around them and, and just put a hand on them and sort of pray over them as well? I know it can be a little intimidating to do this, but I just want to be able to let the comforter, the one who comforts, comfort you in this place. So even as I'm praying, feel free just to stand and, um, and let yourself receive this sort of prayer this morning. Father God, um, uh, we just come before you this morning and we thank you that you are truly the God of all comfort. I know that there are people here, um, some standing and some sitting, who have walked through loss. God, they have, they have had to say goodbye to people that were pillars in their lives, God, and, and you've seen that pain and you've seen that loss. God is the God of all comfort. Would you show them that comfort now? Would you, would you begin to just lavish your peace and your love in their hearts, Lord? As they continue in this journey of grief, Holy Spirit, will you take them by the hand and counsel them and watch over them and lead them through what it means to grieve, what it means to process those emotions, to celebrate those memories and to heal those spaces, God. Bring your comfort, God, bring your healing. For those in this place that are um, preparing their own hearts for eternity or for those in this place that are preparing to say goodbye to a loved one, God, we lift up those individuals to you now. You do such a holy work as you call someone home. So Lord, we do ask that you would reveal the salvation to them that you've made through Jesus, that they would begin to see the love of God made known through him. God, and we also ask that you would just heal those hearts, that you would bring healing into the woundedness that they've experienced here on earth. Allow that final chapter, that final journey to be one that is full of your peace and your comfort, knowing that they don't have to earn their way to you. All that they have to do is receive the gift that you purchased on the cross through your son, Jesus. Minister your peace and also minister to those hearts who are saying those final goodbyes. 
Lord, I know those spaces are so challenging. So Father, would you meet with them? Would you father them in those moments as they say goodbye and as they surrender their loved ones into your hands? God, for each of us this morning, would you give us eyes to see the way that you see? Would you help us live from a place where we're functioning out of the things unseen, making the most of our time here on earth, knowing that it's temporary, making investments for eternity in the way that we treat others and allowing you to do the work that needs to be done in our hearts. God, we love you and we surrender all we are to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.